Hello Witches, and I can say witches because this edition of the podcast is entirely on the Patreon. This is a Patreon-only special. Special thanks to Daniel for coming up with the name for this one, West Country Bitchcraft. Now, we're going to talk about West Country Witchcraft, but we're mainly going to focus on the practitioners in the West Country, of course mainly being the one or two that we don't particularly like. For that reason, we thought we'd better not put, put this out publicly. So, you <laughs> so we don't get are... in trouble. So we don't get in trouble. So you are going to hear some information that we wouldn't normally give out because it would be too nasty and bitchy. Now you may say, but wait a minute, all you do is bitch. <laughs> well, not like this we don't. This is going to be a little worse than normal. Because we don't normally make it personal, do we? Right, so we did Bristol Esoteric Festival, okay. And although I live uh, in Bristol, so around Bristol way, and Chris lives a bit further up in the Midlands in the UK, so I've heard a little bit about a specific bitch, I mean witch, um, called, we'll call her the Good Witch of the West Country. She actually calls herself the Good Witch of Bristol, but we're going <laughs> to call her the Good Witch of the West Country so that you don't know who she is and can't look her up, okay? Yeah. Now, she has, of course, minions, and she doesn't like people moving in on what she sees as her patch because, of course, the West Country is not full of witches at all, is no, it? All practicing of, of course not. There are, you know, hundreds of witches that are, have probably got some of the best hereditary or closest to hereditary witchcraft in the country but you know no she's the only witch around carry on well she owns a shop you see and you can't be a witch if you don't own a shop oh, yeah crystal when i say a shop when i say a shop i mean an etsy store yeah because who has real shops nowadays apart from the people that live in glastonbury but that's besides the point because although they're still in the west country they're 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 pagans so you know so we rock up and we do our Bristol Esoteric Festival and the Good Witch of the West Country sends a little minion. The little minion's name is Rach, we'll say. <laughs> Raquel. Big, yeah, let's go for Raquel because that's also short for Rachel. <laughs> Raquel. <laughs> There's this person called Raquel. Now, I don't notice Raquel because I'm too busy talking to our friend Lazy Lady Poison, who is minding the store of a Welsh witch we know. Yeah. Oh, funny, funny that we were doing an esoteric festival and there's lots of witches that are working <laughs> there. But that's besides the point, because, of course, although all these witches are known by us and you could say work with us to a certain extent on little projects like the Bristol Esoteric Festival. Hashtag Bristol Esoteric Festival. <laughs> um, then, you know, they don't much like this 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 uh, uh, good witch of the West Country. Now, the reason why they don't like her is because she wanted to come and train with some of them. Because there are some witches that don't tend to teach. You have to approach them and they might, if they like you, work with you. That is what the good witch, I mean, the good West, the witch, the good witch of the West Country did. What she decided to do, however, was take some of the information that they gave her and start writing books and blogs about it and just putting it out there without any form of permission or credits or anything like that. These people didn't much like the stupid cow. Now, I have met said stupid cow. Um, I haven't had much dealings with her and she hasn't had much dealings with us, but she did decided to send Raquel, <laughs> her minion, what I suppose you might call a fetch, although I'm pretty <laughs> sure she was solid, wasn't she? She was, she was a corporeal. She was corporeal. Other people she other than us saw her. Yes, okay. And it wasn't just witches, other people saw yeah. her. So, the, yeah, the she's definitely a, present. A, a corporeal minion. Yeah. Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about what happened? Because I didn't see her, first of all, because I was over the other side. I think you had the first interaction with yes. her, didn't you? Or was it, was it our friend Shelley? 
it might no, it might have been Shelley actually. I think okay. Shelley had the pleasure of of meeting her, and then she went and had to go and kind of hover around uh, another witch friend of ours, um, who was who'd got a stall there, um, and then yes, I just kept seeing her out the corner of my eye. Um, the reason I call her Raquel is more because she looked like some kind of French prostitute, but that's because. <laughs> Um, or, you know, high, highly fashionable is probably the other way to put it. Um, but with some kind of <laughs> new new Insta witch kind of um, vibe of aesthetic, shall we say. Um, but I just kept, I could just feel her looking at me. Like her, her look was just burning into the sides of my wards on one side of my body. Because um, I was dealing with some cli- with some new clients and um i could you know kind of sense she was there and then um then you arrived because i don't think you were actually there at the time i think you'd been going checking on one of the other venues um uh, and then yeah. you came back um and they clearly asked to speak to you so obviously i'd been there the whole time and she hadn't asked to speak to me but you were you were on the Thoth witchcraft stall doing consultation work i suspect yeah because when I came in, I went straight over to see Lady Poison because Lady Poison was looking after the jewellery store yeah. on, behalf, on behalf of someone else. And I was sat down talking to Lady Poison. And then all of a sudden, because I had my back to the rest of what was going on, Lady Poison just like shot up and walked off. <laughs> and I was like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, this was really weird, like mid-conversation. Yeah, she just got up and moved. <laughs> Yeah, bearing in mind she's basically been asked to look after my stool, please, by the person that runs the jewellery store, and she just basically gets up and fucks off. Um, and I was thinking, okay, what's going on? And then this other woman comes on, says, hello, I'm Raquel. She didn't say that because her real name's Rachel. Um, <laughs> and basically it's like, are you one of the organisers? I was like, yeah. She's like, well, I need, I, I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to talk to you. I was like, right, okay. Do you want to have a little sit down, love? <laughs> have a little sit down. So she had a little sit down opposite me. And then she proceeded to immediately start questioning me about who are you? Where have you come from? And why are you doing this? As if it was like I needed some sort permission of permission to be to there. <laughs> An esoteric festival in one, you know, we had it split over two venues, but one of them central Bristol. So it's literally right on the docks. Yeah. Um, and basically she then, I then said, you know, she said, have you been doing stuff long, blah, blah, blah. And I basically said, well, we mainly do a lot of work up north and Midlands way. And now we're starting to come down. She said, have you got any plans on setting up here? I said, well, really, this is a small area. We're not going to confine ourselves to here. We've got the whole of the UK to deal with. Yeah. And to which she just, there was a silence. <laughs> and I was like, we don't really do a lot here. We plan on doing the esoteric festival. We might do a couple of other things. But apart from that, not really. And she just shut up. <laughs> and then she proceeded to immediately start talking to me about herbalism and how she's brilliant at identifying plants and that how herbalists that do clinical herbalism and have a degree in it aren't very good at identifying <laughs> plants because they just ordering everything instead of picking it themselves. <laughs> um, and then I was like, sure, sure, right, okay. And then she basically just got up and said, okay, thank you very much, and then wandered out, yeah. sauntered out the room. And I was <laughs> like, what the fuck was going on with that? And then Lady Poison comes over and she says, you know who that was. That's the minion of the good witch. I mean, the good witch of the West Country. Yeah. Um, now, there is a slightly more to that story. Um, that's basically all that happened there. But to cut a very long story short, our somewhat friend. <laughs> is he a frenemy or a friend? A frenemy? Quinius Porcupinus. Quinius Porcupinus got me tickets to an event that... Um, the good witch of the West Country was apparently holding at the Bristol Museum. Now, we were told, or I was under the impression, and my friends were under the impression, that she was organising it. As it happened, she had a stall there. <laughs> and I don't mean I don't mean a shit, although it did look shit. I mean a retail stand where she was flogging things, essentially. Magical potions and the like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Whatever it is. These the latest snake stuff. oils. The latest snake oils, yes. So my friends wanted to go. 
to basically take the piss because that's the sort of people that we are. She was supposed to be given a talk at the the there. She was supposed to be given a talk there. Other people were given talks there. There was a whole magical night at the museum. Um, it was an exhibition and that, and we went there. She didn't really want much to do with anyone who wouldn't talk to anyone when they were wandering around. I got the opportunity to meet her, and she chickened out of doing her talk. Probably because a lot of the people that she stole the information on to do the talk would have been sitting for her in the audience. <laughs> yeah. All ready also, to ask her someone... awkward questions. Also, one or two Welsh witches were cursing her as well. They made a little, um, what would you call it? It was basically a curse. I can't remember what they did. They cursed some object and then gave it to her and it had some weight to it after <laughs> they were through with her, I tell you that. Um, Oh, I th that was it. There was a little section set up where it was doing like old Roman curses and stuff like that, where you had to etch it onto a piece of metal. And then you were supposed to put it in the bin, essentially, which was set up to look like a kind of like a well. Okay. Um, and instead of throwing it in the bin, they decided to take it with them. We all sat around a table and they started taking it turns into charging it with uh, <laughs> basically hexes and curses. And then they decided to go and give it to her <laughs> on her stool. Um, that might be why she had to leave and couldn't do her talk. More than likely. <laughs> but I'm not entirely sure. It was very uncomfortable for her. I know that. And the rest of the evening was, it was okay. I mean, it was a museum that was doing it. So there was no real magical practice going on. But there was a lot of magical folk milling about there. Yeah. Quite interesting. So that was the first run I had with it. Her. Um, and yeah, I suppose to cut a very long story short, today we're talking about magical mentors. Yeah. And who do you get to teach you? Now, some people are elitist super witches and don't require a mentor and we're just born with the knowledge. <laughs> but for the people that haven't got that, where do you go? Now, unfortunately, I don't know about you, Chris, but I see nowadays people's magical mentors are books and YouTube videos. Yes. And I don't know how I feel about that. No, I'm not sure how I feel about that either. Um, like, we've got a guy we've started watching online and stuff, haven't we? That is clearly entirely taught via books. Um. And bearing in mind the comments we've made on this podcast before now about the fact that actually, um, you know, there is a limit to what you can learn and what you can put into a book based on the fact that you need to understand the magical system that the person is working before you're even able to potentially put anything intermediate into a book. Because you're then because at that point you're so far down a certain journey that how could you condense the beginning of said book into one you know one chapter in order to actually give all the the level of um information that we need to go in i thought of a way to do it though i just it just suddenly come to me i'm thinking you could actually do that the only thing is you would have to enchant each book individually so you'd have to give a taste of you'd have to be able to download the beginning lessons directly into your brain from the book yeah i think that's about the only way you so could it's do really it just a magical object is a magical object that happens to be a book is yeah it's basically saying. what i'm saying is <laughs> about that's the only cheap. way that i think i could do it is that you could write the net that that book would be the continuation um, of a lifetime's worth of study <laughs> anyway yeah but well I don't know, free books of occult philosophy isn't bad, but bearing in mind it's like a thousand odd pages, yeah. and even that just scratches the surface of getting you to think about it, and it doesn't translate very well over time, because it's written in old-fashioned yes. speak, and not even, I don't, it's not even written in English, is it, that originally it was translated, I think, so... Um, you know, it's, it's difficult. I thought about doing it, but at the same time, I don't like book learning. I don't no. think... It just takes too long. Magical mentorship is the way to go, but if, it's finding someone. Yeah, it? I still think the best way to teach is through Jumanji. Do you remember? I think that's going to be the best well, way. Well, that's 
that's that's that's a little bit sly. I, I think it's okay if they know what they're getting and what they're signing up for. You're no but, fun. Yeah, I think traditionally it's mentorship and enrolling in something like that. But the idea of Jumanji was to create a board game a little bit like Jumanji. Yeah, that, where you create um, a learning space where you could actually tutor someone in a particular magical system. It would be really good. Essentially, the book would have a spirit living in it and you would be entering a contract by placing a totem that you give in onto the board game, essentially, which represents you. And then the spirit of the board game will haunt you and teach you lessons yeah. um, to do with magic. So there was a couple of board games that we thought of. Um, Hermetica, which is designed to teach the hermetic laws and principles. Um, other ones that were to do with teaching um, spirits and stuff like that. Hermes wanted to get involved at one point. Not entirely sure whether I trust him, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe not on the first edition. But it no. would be one of those things that, you know, even expansion packs to a certain extent. So you buy the board and then you replace the amulet in the middle yes. with a different, it's like a cartridge of so a different god or goddess. Or, yeah principle or lesson but the point we're trying to make is essentially that it is really hard to to teach someone the level of craft that someone wants to study at um from a book because like i said there are yeah. so many barriers with uh, words you know at the end of the day humanity learned to speak so that it could hide its intention so you know at the end of the day <laughs> um the biggest barrier between any kind of learning mechanism is the language um whereas actually if you were to teach in pure energy streams you would probably find a much easier way of downloading the information that you needed um but yeah going back to kind of mentors so we offer mentorship don't we um yeah, you're on the Patreon, so you should be asking us for help with things. If you don't know something and want someone else's opinion on it, or you're in part on a project and you want us to get involved with it, all you've got to do is click that little message button for somewhere on there <laughs> and send us a message and say, what do you know about this? Yeah. Or, you know, we can always do little live Q&As and stuff like that. So just get involved. Remember, with this platform, it's all about you contacting us and telling us the sort of information that you want out of us. Yeah, at the end of the day, we want to create interesting content that covers what you want to know. Um, the great thing about being in the Patreon means that you get to kind of get kind of first dibs on on the, that kind of content, whether or not we create it as Patreon-only Patreon stuff or, you know, when you're naming uh, podcasts for us to do for everybody else, you know. Um, there are ways for you to impact the kind of work that we do because at the end of the day it's a struggle for us a lot of the time knowing where to start um, you know it's easy when you've got a client in front of you or a new mentor in, a mentee in front of you um, because you can read them and you can kind of go oh okay yeah. you want to learn this you're on a specific trajectory 2x whereas whereas that's not kind of capable you know as easy when you're creating content for a wide audience of people that you don't actually speak to directly um and i think therein lies well, that's the what books are supposed to do aren't yeah they? a lot of books are designed to be outlines of something as a magical system or whatever that you take and you do and you learn and then that's it you're supposed to expand on it but how many of them even really give you a system I mean, this one, I like this book, The Black Toad, West Country Witchcraft and Magic. I thought I'd pick West Country stuff, given that this, given that the title is West Country Witchcraft and this book's about West Country Magic. But it's not really an entire system of magic. It's just, here's this charm that cunning folk used to do. Here's that charm that cunning folk used to do. This is what a cunning folk person is. This is some practices yeah. here. This is some practices there. You could take each one and think, well, I don't. I've got some thrush, so I'm going to use the cure charm exactly. for thrush. Literally, that's page 57. <laughs> yeah. And do that. But he's not teaching you how the magic works. No. That's the problem. No. Or or uh, how how that exactly you could then replicate it in a different way. Um, or why that particular mm. charm exists and the principles in which make it tick. Um, 
you're just going to learn about. Well, there are many, there are many you know? different ways magic can work and lots of different energy currents involved. That's the problem. That's what the books don't tell you. Yeah. But then that's... It's what you could write a book. You could write an entire massive book on it. But at the same yeah. time, we can take someone and explain the basic concept by showing them in 10 minutes and they get it. Yeah. So from our perspective, why would we write a book when we can... It would just take 10 minutes to show an individual, yeah. you know, sort of thing. That's the approach we take. At the end of the day, we're not looking to convert the entire world to, you know, the the uh, the beauty of the Kabbalah or, or the Quran or uh, Harry Potter. All of those are Bibles, right? Um... Well, I don't know you can <laughs> swear on them, can you? So, so, yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, like, all of those creator following, obviously we're not looking to do that. We're, if anything, we're kind of doing the opposite of that, which is working with individual people in order to progress their individual pathway. And you can't. We're old fashioned. You can't That's really you provide it. that in a book, can you? Well, they say magic, witchcraft, trades, those sorts of things are learned through via apprenticeship. Yeah. So the magician's apprentice or witch's apprentice was an actual thing, um, and we just try to do that for the modern age. The difference is we don't have a curriculum. So you need to tell us, or the, the client needs to tell us what they want to do. We then design ways for them to approach that and so that we make sure they learn important lessons. Yeah. So if you want a love spell, we won't just teach you that love spell. We'll get you to design the love spell by teaching you how to design spells. Yeah. So you're not getting a, here's this spell, go and do it. Oh, well done, you've learned a spell. You're getting a, well, I understand how this works now and I can utilize this for various different other things, yeah. not just this one thing. That's what's missing from books. Yeah. So rather than what we can, the way in which we try to deliver things is so that we're basically delivering you an archetype. So, you know, we start with an archetype that is known to everybody, which is the charm bag, you know, by explaining exactly how you create that in the various different methods that you could do so, um, allows you to understand how that works. It is a personal bit of magic that is both only works within your aura space and is continually charged by such. Therefore, um, you know, that is magic that is personal. Um, and, and then compare it to something like a, a jar spell or whatever like that as a, you know, a light the fuse and let it go kind of thing. Throw it in a direction that you actually want it to happen. Um, but when you start to talk about in archetypes and fundamentals, it then kind of goes, oh, OK. So now when you show me that spell, um, that's just another version of that, isn't it? And then you kind of before they, you know, rather than going this is how we're going to teach love spells today, uh, or this is how we're going to teach money spells today, because you should understand the fundamental in order to apply that to any kind of magic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so how, how do you, because we've struggled to really think about how you teach magic long distance to people that you don't meet. That's the thing. Patrons have a direct line of communication with us. Uh, physical clients that we actually see and mentor physically um, have to, a better direct line to us, essentially. But the people that you'd struggle with is the sorts of people that books are designed to teach, which is someone that you don't know and have never met. And will never ever probably meet. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, it said, what what do we do with that and how you can go about it? And surely there must be ways to do it. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying that with any form of teaching like that, it's a real struggle to try and put something together, which just doesn't take ages. So I know we've got some on, you know, some video courses and stuff like that that are coming out, which is going to get you to actually do stuff and follow along with there's not going to be a follow along with us in 
copy what I do. It's a, you go and discover where this is in your place. Yeah. And if you don't have it, substitute it for wherever you, whatever yeah. you're going to find in this place. It'll understand when it comes to the village witchcraft course that I'm designing. But basically, you know, other mentors then. Let's, let's bitch, I mean, talk about them. So, you know, how many clients do we get whereby they're fairly green, they're fairly new to this kind of thing, and they meet a psychic, a professional or someone like yep. that, some bloody witch shop in Glastonbury that's taught them some stuff. And I'm not saying this stuff that we necessarily disagree with it, but it's weak magical practice in that there's not a firm foundation behind it it's uh well i learned to do this by doing this and as soon as you take a tool out yeah. of the equation or part of that out of the equation they can't compensate for it yeah. how do people find magical mentors do you google it that's the thing I, I, it's one of those isn't it the the i suppose in the last kind of 10 15 years for me the most likely, if you're lucky, are going to meet people that are like-minded um, through the kind of moot system, I guess, is where lots yeah. of people find like-minded people. But they're people, not what they were. But they're not, they're not they're what, not what they, were. they were, but they're also not mentors. Uh, you know, you're not necessarily yeah. going to find that. What I'm saying is, like, that's the level that you're kind of looking at, is that you might find some other lost people <laughs> that are also looking. Um in terms of actual mentors, unless you happen upon one of these uh, old black lodges um, because you've been invited and someone's noticed your power locally, um, or is a case... If you're of use to them, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll pick you up if you're of use to you them, know, they'll try and recruit you, but they're, not, they're only interested in training you in an area that's useful for them. Exactly. Or... And you have to be, you have to have some knowledge in order to be useful to them in the first place. Therefore, if you're a beginner, they're not going to be interested, let's be fair. Or what's the other alternative, which you're getting a lot more of now, which is these goddess cults? Um, what, you mean like the Glastonbury goddess? You know, like you these... A goddess cult? But, the, you know... That's the business, Chris. They exactly, just, you know, but... They just charge you £2,000 and, you know guarantee that you're a priestess of a certain deity that the person in general who is running the course doesn't even work with yeah so you know you've got these kind of things coming up which is you know devotees you know devotee work um yet doesn't require any actual devotee work i just i, I don't know like you've got that kind of and that's if you're going down a um that sort of path and then or, or you unha you know when you happen to happen across someone like quinius porcupinus who might teach you a thing or two uh, but again is is looking out for their own interest in in what you know it's a case of yes you can join me for the ride not necessarily teach you anything um but you can be there and be part of the working i'm doing um, and therefore, hopefully, he you'll gives, learn, learn gives, some stuff. He gives important snippets of information out that, that, that makes people know that he knows what he's doing. The problem with those sorts of characters, and I don't know personally whether to even call it a problem, because what you're dealing with is a real-life witch, a real-life person, who is essentially amoral. Yeah. So... I don't like the idea of school as a safe environment where a teacher has got your best interest at heart and they're not allowed to hit their students and stuff. The real world's not like that. No. Witchcraft certainly is not bearing like in that. mind the original term for witchcraft is maleficent magic. So it's not <laughs> like if you're delving into real witchcraft, you're going to find some shady individuals. Yeah. And there are lots of people that do happen across the shady individuals. And that's people trying to take advantage of you in many, many different forms. Now, normally you find mentorship by reputation. Yeah. You... And the reputation that you're seeking is not a nice individual. It's the individual that seems to know the information. Who is the person that everyone goes to for the information? The old lady down the road, the old wise woman that lived in Cruise Hull, Fanny Cranach, we'll call her, hmm. 
all of the locals went to see her for everything. All of the magic spells, all of her potions when they were ill, blah de blah. Good place to start for a mentor. Yeah. yeah. Understandable. What we have nowadays is celebrity. Yes. Witches. And followings and how many numbers you have next to your little name on YouTube and that. Yeah. That can be a problem. Because you get infamy and reputation, but is it necessarily earned? Yeah. Not from a magical perspective, I mean, it's earned some way. Generally by being somewhat pretty 20-year-old. Yeah. Generally. (laughs) And hope they've still built a big enough following by the time they're old and decrepit. But... But yeah, and I, you know, we're obviously trying to offer something different, but I just, I think it's a really hard thing to find because, you know, just your judge, you're, you're going to be stuck by what is geographically available in a lot of ways. I know it's a little bit different with us and, and Patreon and whatever is starting to then give you the option beyond that, that you don't physically need to be in the same place. Um, but then you've got more risk with that in the fact that you've not met the person and can't necessarily judge the energy as well. Maybe for someone that's beginning out is going to be able to judge whether or not this person uh, is good and has lots of knowledge or is just charismatic. Um, mm. And that that's going to be hard to judge for a, a beginner who, who doesn't know right, you know, they're right from their left. Um, it's about making mistakes, I suppose, and yeah. that's how we learn things, is making mistakes. So, But I'm just, I'm not sure exactly how, how what the alternative is for most people. You get a lot, um, I was reading some feed, uh, feed the other day on one of these Facebook groups, because that's where lots of people go these days, isn't it, to try and find like-minded individuals and yeah. and mentors and and trying to find information and there was a huge huge debate and i mean like kind of two three hundred comments um and it's probably still going that was like three days ago um where they were all talking about somebody on had posted on another group a stupid question um and i think said stupid question was something along the lines of um, does it matter if my bay leaves are fresh or dry? Oh, that's on the traditional hedge wishes yeah. group, wasn't it? Because I know the one of the people which run that group. Uh, I think we both do. Yeah. And she was saying just earlier that she had to stop the thread for that. Oh, did she stop it in the end? And I said, she stopped the thread for it. And I said, no, please don't stop the thread because I want to comment. Because the one person that left a comment on there, there was someone that left a comment on there who I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I know. Um, no, I seriously won't. No, name names, I know who I know who it was. I, I saw their name on the who list. Who was the the admin of another group and had the audacity yeah. to say that they don't like it when other people don't get to have their say and their opinion when said person <laughs> on it was an actual administrator moderator on another group who <laughs> kicked me out of that group we did an entire podcast on it if you don't if you remember go back i think it was was it it wasn't feisty witches was it it might have been another one no it might have been it might have been feisty witches actually it was on one of those ones where we were talking about facebook pages but yes she had the audacity to write in the comments oh i don't like it the fact that you're not letting other people have an opinion where she kicked me out for having an opinion and you just of course in the end it didn't work out because she got kicked out of that group and then but it's someone else i know but the reason the reason the reason i bring it up is just the fact that obviously you know i saw that post and it was kind of like it was a massive run down of people arguing whether or not they should or shouldn't be allowed to ask stupid questions uh you know and there were lots of comments about things like you know um yes this is supposed to be a community and people should feel safe enough to ask stupid questions but then equally there was a lot of people going um some of it was kind of bitterness i think about the fact that the internet wasn't available when they started learning um and therefore they've had to work harder for it and I didn't feel that that was necessarily a valid point in the same way that what they were trying to say was actually more something along the lines of we aren't which Google search. 
So yeah. the fact is, it shouldn't be assumed that we're going to give you the answer, even if we know it, which sounds a hell of a lot like gatekeeping. But you know what I mean? Like, it was just a case of, well, that uh, that bit of information is available. So if it's readily available, why are you asking the question? Because that kind of suggests that you haven't looked and have just gone, yes. oh, I'll just ask the question to this group. Somebody will give me an answer. Whereas surely the quickest answer would have been to search for it because the alternative is reading 300 comments that all may not agree with one another. To f- There's a couple of things here, though, that I'd pick up on. One is that if you have a stupid question about witchcraft, don't ask it on Quora. Go on the Witchcraft Live Facebook group and ask it there. Yeah. Um, the next point I'd say is that I'd say as a teacher and a mentor... There's no such thing as a stupid question if it's a genuine question. Yeah. Um, from, again, a teacher or mentor's perspective, when people ask the same stupid question over and over and over and over and over again, it tends to piss you off. Um, so that can be annoying. But also, I think the big problem nowadays is attention-seeking, is that witchcraft is now a thing which is... I don't know what a community, kind of like a community, and a niche, like being a punk or a goth was, you know, as well. It's like trendy. It's just kind of, it's trendy. And the way that you maintain this, instead of wearing a lot of black, like goths used to, you ask the same questions over and over again to show that you have an interest. Yeah. So even if you're not interested in what a specific hematite crystal does, you might ask that in a couple of groups just to contribute. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, you're not interested in the answer. You're just adding in to be part of that. It's like yeah. chiming in. My my issue with it, with it was more the fact that is that a lot of people were jumping on the bandwagon kind of going, you know, well, people have got to learn um, and should. And this is what these communities are about. And you're like, no, these groups have specific rules. And actually, mm. if you want a beginner's witchcraft kind of approach, then you seek one out, you know, Witchcraft Live, for example, um, you know, where that hashtag Witchcraft Live, <laughs> which is the clear, which is a clearly marked out as that is what it is for. Those are the groups in which you should be asking those stupid questions. Now, you know, if somebody was to go and ask the question about do I use wet or dry um, bay in no holds barred, for example, um, expect to be ridiculed. Like, you know what I mean? Like the rules point out in a lot of these groups of what it is for. Um, and you, you get these debates in a lot of these groups where they mm, kind of go. I don't know. Like, because surely you would find a beginner's one in order to ask a question like that. But at the same time, all of these rules say you've got to be kind and courteous and we don't like any nasty behaviour or the admins will remove you. <laughs> Obviously, we don't have that in the no holds barred group because you well, clearly you're aware of that, <laughs> but we don't have much rules when it comes to freedom of speech and such. Uh, we just ask you to make it about witchcraft to justify yeah. your answers and then expect to be attacked. But a lot of it is literally the molly coddling society, wrap them up in cotton wool. And yes, everyone gets a certificate for taking part. There's no first, second, third. Yeah. Everyone's at the same ability, even if you've been doing it for 30 plus years. So, you know, it's one of those things. But anyway, West Country Bitchcraft. Is there anyone else we want to bitch about? I heard there's a, I heard the Druids don't don't memorise their lines anymore. I hear they just use the iPads for everything and read out loud. <laughs> Should we talk about the power of reading a book and not understanding its meaning? Oh yes, go on. We can we can definitely get five minutes out of that, surely. Right, what have I got then? Right, I've got this. The British Book of Spells and Charms by Graham King. I'm picking this one up because it used to be ridiculously expensive, but they've just come out with a paperback uh, version of it. And it's one of those ones which a lot of the... uh, What is it that Our Lady Poison says? I was saying, what are we going to call... Because obviously traditional witchcraft's fallen now, the fall of traditional witchcraft... (laughs) 
because everyone's now jumping on the traditional bit, uh, witchcraft bandwagon and calling themselves a traditional witch. And she came up with a brilliant one, which was the um, PKTW, the post-Keldon traditional witchcraft. <laughs> if you're a post-Keldon traditional witch, you learnt your traditional witchcraft from books <laughs> such as those that we both yeah. know about. Um, and if you're a pre-Keldon traditional witch, you learn it from the actual, you know, other practitioners and doing the work. And directly from the same cop. Directly from the plants itself. Yeah, not the not the same old copy and paste authorship that you get, like the nineties Wiccan books or the eighties. Well, Wiccan the thing books, is, or the noughties Wiccan. You books. can tell it's a thing now because didn't that Keldon Keldon book get published by a particular group? That we constantly ridicule is that not a subsidiary what, of mean, Llewellyn? You mean, you mean, you mean that <laughs> um, that publishing house with the little crescent moon logo <laughs> that I don't think has ever published anything even half decent. I have my suspicions about that company. <laughs> trust me. So it's one of it's one of those things that actually that tells you there and then, doesn't it, that trad witchcraft is as kind of automatically. It's the it's the uh, trad witchcraft has become another word for uh, post Wiccans, um, you know, and I, I can um, I can understand why there are so many kind of actual traditional witches out there that are getting really peeved uh, with it. Anyway, uh, well, you were going to try and make an actual point, weren't you? I was, but I can't remember what the point is. I know I picked up this red book. British Book of Charms and Spells, but I can't for the life of me remember what I was going to do with it. I think we were going to talk about some spells. Um, but yeah, I mean, let me make something up quickly. <laughs> okay. As this bean sh shell rots away, so my wart soon shall decay. Now you'd get that in a spell book. Yeah. Okay. Book about spells, book about witchcraft. Yeah, supposed to be teaching you spells. And it will say, a spell to get rid of a wart, yeah? As this bean shell rots away, so my wart soon shall decay. And that's it. It doesn't tell you how that works. Yep. So that's does, the problem, isn't it? It doesn't it's, tell you why it's a like bean. Rhymes. <laughs> it, yeah, it, do, it, it doesn't really give you any real information in there, does no. it? And I understand that this book, although is written by an old cunning man, I think these passed away now. Um, it's from Troy Books, so you know that there are a lot of um, uh, post-Celt and traditional witchcrafts that are probably going to buy this book now. Because <laughs> um, Troy Books do publish some quite good stuff on witchcraft. But the authors are witches and do practice, they just don't like to give all of their information away in books. So they publish yeah. a little bit that you're then supposed to do the research on. So this one, again, is someone I think that worked at the Witchcraft Museum, if I remember rightly. Um, but yes, little things like this. It's got that abracadabra in it, of course. We do like an abracadabra, don't we? We do. But it doesn't really give a lot of information. And what I tend to see is people, oh, right, okay, so yeah, I've got this war. I'm just going to repeat this over and over and over again. Now, we were talking about, I suppose, magical words and... Uh, how some eye druids, which we'll call eye druids, that just utilise iPads and read things out without really understanding their meaning. Now, I know certainly from ceremonial magic and ceremonial magicians, they like these long drawn out evocations and invocations and words. The problem is, is that they're all designed much like stories to teach you lessons. Yeah. They're like mini stories. So you learn them not just memorizing them you understand the archetype of the story because in these stories and that they're literally based on the thing that you're calling up yeah the process of calling it up yeah so we we had a really really old one what was that well i say really old it's not one that gets used all that much anymore um it was someone that i had to learn uh which i can't remember it now but it was like um and when after all the phantoms are banished, thou shalt, um, oh, I can't remember. 
<laughs> That's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> Spent ages memorising that one. Oh, it's clearly... Was it from Sanctum Regnum? Something like that? Maybe. But it's one... It, but the point is there. The point is exactly there. Is it's... I don't use it You anymore. don't use it. And therefore... No, I don't use There it. is no purpose for it anymore. So I'm quite glad it's not taking up room in your memory banks. But... Um, you know, there is an aspect of that, which is that, you know, um, they're not your words. And if they were your words, they would have more meaning. Um, and this is kind of where I struggle. Um, I am going to slightly defend the book for uh, the books for a second um, and kind of say that they kind it kind of comes out. And this is just a, a you know, musing aloud. But essentially like you know it comes from that tradition doesn't it where what these people will have done is copied up parts of their grimoires or whatever storage vessel they keep those things in and they translate them across to that and i think that's why they read that way is because i think Mm. people forget that grimoires and, and and books of shadows those sorts of things or what's the latest one they call them book of truths is one i keep hearing lately um is that the fact that book of truth book of truth yeah who's that by i can't think but it's one i keep it's a phrase i keep hearing lately um you know and these all these sea witches have their book of tides and all that kind of stuff it's you know sea sea witches that don't live anywhere near a seaside yes those ones (laughs) but have incredible (laughs) shell collections um yeah but yeah, you get that kind of because that's the way they are written in the first place is they are it's raw information as it comes. And it's the bits that's that are important that you write down, like just the spell itself or a list of ingredients, you know, eye of eye of newt, toe of bat that, you know, uh, those sorts, that sort of list is all you would have to write down because you remember how the spell works. You don't need to write down how the spell works, which is kind of why that information's not there. But what baffles me is how all these authors don't think, oh, that's the bit that's missing, isn't it? I haven't explained how they work. But they're not going to notice that they need to explain that, are they? Because they understand the book because they wrote it. (laughs) So that was my mini defence on the basis of I can understand the praxis that kind of makes that go into you know of why they appear that way um but mm. equally people should be looking at those books as this is an example of how a thought process or you know a recording process works you know you don't look at a recipe book or at least i don't you don't look at a recipe book and go i need to follow these recipes for me i, I read a, a recipe book going Oh, so that's what they're doing to balance that and balance that. And oh, that bit of nutmeg there is to yes. is to lift that. But you know how to cook. Exactly. You're not picking up the... Because I get this. This British Book of Spells and Charms is a compendium of spells and charms that have been found from um, the uh, Bothcastle Witchcraft Museum archive, I should imagine, from what I remember. But when you have a book that says learn witchcraft yeah learn how to draw anything or paint by numbers whatever the fuck it is then that should be teaching you though yeah it it should there's differences between compendiums and actually teaching and the problem is with the stuff which is the actual teaching um that is very very iffy and even when you get a half decent book you'll find there's a copy and paste of another book that came out years before it's like yeah. That person's not really added anything. No, they've just copied the... information from one space to another and, and yeah. added a chapter. Um, they've not actually added anything to the, the core work, as it were. Um, but yeah, and I think that's the I think that's a lot of the problem is they forget why how and why these books were written in its first instance. And therefore, instead of reading them as a manual to learn what they should really be doing is going, oh, okay, well, this is one person's praxis. Here's another person's praxis. What links them? What's different between them? Um, how do you change that one from that one? And and, and read between the lines. Um, whereas people don't do that. 
Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I get what you mean. It, yeah. You know, if I've got one of my old books. Like oh, okay. That, because book from when I was a kid. Because let's face it, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a chemist, and I mean that by like the, you know, making mixing up potions and whatever, as an actual chemist, right? You want to learn what A plus B equals, but at the same time, you you need to understand why A plus B equals C, and then. In what circumstances doesn't A plus B equal another letter of the alphabet? Like, you know, how are you supposed to practice as a chemist when you don't understand how they work? So, yes, you start like with the a recipe book. Teacher. Yeah, you start with the recipe book and you go, oh, OK, well, that's how that person did it. Well, I wonder why. Then you figure out why it works that way. And then you start your own experiments and you understand deeper and deeper as to why these uh, these elements mix the way that they do. Um, and at that point, you can then start calling yourself a chemist. You're not a chemist because you started reading the book. You're not a chef when you start reading the book. It's only when you're in a position where you can explain the book without the book. Are you suddenly a chemist or a chef? Like... You, is that a complete rambling or does that make sense? Look at that. That's one of my books from back in the day. Oh, wow. He's reminiscing people. Sorry. This book, I picked this up. It was in the cunning man's cabinet because I found it in a collection of things. And it smells. It smells of something wherever I was burning at the time. This was when I used to do a bit of ceremonial magic. It's not a fancy leather bound book. It's some old... Ex exercise book. Notebook. It's an old exercise book, yeah. But here we go. This is the sort of thing that I used to do. Um, and it would have things like I'd take um, invocations and stuff like that and, and take them apart because that's what you're supposed to do. So for those people that like all your elements and stuff like that with an invocation, mm -hmm. little Wiccans out there, they love their four elements or five elements and that. It would be, and when after all the phantoms are banished, thou shalt see that holy and formless fire, that fire which darts and flashes through the hidden depths of the universe, hear thou the voice of fire. That is part of a one, two, three, three-page evocation. That's one paragraph of a three-page <laughs> evocation, right? Now, the problem is, is when you pick up a book, on ceremonial magic or druidism or any story or anything like that you'll get that and they'll read it out but they won't understand the meaning of it or they'll use the text to speech function if you're an eye druid <laughs> and you get the ipad to read it out but the words have meaning that aren't expressed unless you have the key to understand what they are so when you've got passages and things like that, there's hidden messages and stuff like that in there. Unless you connect with the energy and use the words as a, a gateway or a key or a way of pulling that energy through, then it's not really going to do anything. This is one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of these spell books and stuff like that. And then one of the reasons why I absolutely despise ceremonial magic nowadays. Because you don't open up uh, the Goetia and it explain anything like that. No. You know, it's not a teaching book, is it? No, it's a catalogue. It's a key, yeah, essentially, when you're talking about that sort of thing. It's a you catalog. know, the Goetia is the Goetia, <laughs> Goetia is a catalogue. Um, it lists spirits and gives them identifications. That's what it is. It's it, at the very best. It's a, a very loose catalogue to a very large archive. Um, mm. Just been translated and retranslated. Yeah. <laughs> and looks nothing like the original anymore. But yeah, I just I th I think that's what I'm I'm hoping what we've said in this podcast today will kind of explain you know push that to kind of making you understand why finding the right mentor is is really important. Um, mm. I think one thing we haven't mentioned. I think that's probably where we'll end it is um is <laughs> your mentors don't need to be human 
Oh well, that's just too advanced, isn't it? <sighs> like the thing is, the thing is, when you're talking about that, that's the danger. Because <laughs> I've known some of these people, and you've probably known these people. It's like, well, if it's a god or a goddess or a spirit that's powerful, surely they've only got my best interests at heart. <laughs> so I can believe anything they say. Humans yes. are a little iffy, but if the angel says to do it, then surely it can only be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then those people don't necessarily know what they're talking to in the first place, yes. let alone be able to say when to trust it. So I'd say that it's as dangerous to do that as possible. Another thing that they don't mention, of course, is that you can be fooled yes. as well. So really, really good people will be able to sweet talk you or to use their mind control techniques or whatever. We've seen this actually happen recently with someone that's been separated uh, off from the rest of the magical community in the West Country and is now being preyed upon for a certain magical working yeah. because said person wants to, needs a female in order to do the work and because there aren't any females that have an, a, de a decent enough magical um knowledge and i suppose what would you say power level that sounds yeah. like we're in a computer game don't yeah. but that's essentially what it is top trumps then yeah top trumps then this person's got to go for someone else someone that's a little green but impressionable useful enough useful enough but not necessarily smart enough to see what's really going on so you do have to be careful with things um because people will do that but also other things will do that as well yeah um, I think I had a little story that I wrote down somewhere about something like that happened. I'll see if I can dig it out. But yeah, but how do, how does one tell? That's the thing. It's really is it not just uh, it's, jumping in? And yeah, it's experience. At the end of the day, to go down a path like this, down a craft, you need to be pe prepared at the very beginning to get your fingers burnt like that is the whole thing you know you don't become a great chef without a few scars um you don't become a great chemist without a few scars i think that's why those two uh, examples kind of work so well um is because it, it's it's what do they call it the the hazards of the job mm, you know and yeah. there is a part of that and i think i think that's partly why we get so irritated by these people on uh, with with it becoming such a cult phenomenon nowadays, to be call them call oneself a witch, um, you know, is that problem of it's painting the image that this is something safe and friendly, um, you know, and at the end of the day, that's not what this is. It's a craft, you know. You cut you can do a bit of sewing as a craft and you're going to stub your finger with a very sharp needle at least once a week like you know uh, there are going to be points where you know some people will <laughs> work uh, work their fingers to the bone so they're covered in calluses or you know by the end of the lifetime of a, a lace maker he's going to have incredibly crippling arthritis there are risks with whatever craft that you go into um witchcraft is opening doors that have a whole new variety of risks but there's no reason to put you off it's just a case of you know be prepared to be burnt in in the in the path of learn, trying to get better at a craft so and we're oh oh yes right i'll share a story story time with liam right this may or may not be a real story that may have happened to me or may not have happened to me but it's in the old book from back when i was a kid so we'll assume that it's nothing to do with me and that it's a fake story okay raquel it's got nothing to do with raquel <laughs> <clears throat> right let's see a dark adept walks with his young student who has a dog that has just had a litter of puppies. The dog was not being nice to the apprentice, disrespectful. So the master says, if your dog brings you one of her puppies, you may beat her with sticks, hit her with stones and even stomp on her puppies in front of her and she will never and she will ever defend you. Later that day, the mother did in fact bring one of her puppies to the apprentice and laid it in his lap, or her lap, 
the master then walked over to the puppy, picked it up by its head and snapped its neck. The master then looked at the apprentice, who was in shock, and said, That is the ultimate form of submission. That dog will be... Um, that dog will be every person we meet. <laughs> there we go. That's a little bit of... Um, that's a little bit of uh, the way in which some people teach. But there we go. We'll leave it at that because I think something's just happened to the computer and it's all gone a little bit tits up. That's what happens when you uh, invoke stories from a very old time with no... So have you actually finished the podcast? Yeah, I think we'll have to leave it there. So, thanks for listening, everyone, and goodbye.